to Absurdist Asylum, the show that was doomed from the very start. I'm Jason Velarde, and as usual, we have filmmaker Brad Cousy on the show. This episode, The Rock's cooking up some popcorn. It's movie night in the asylum. So, good news about today's episode. Uh, I don't know what was going on with me a few weeks ago when we did the Shaun of the Dead episode, but I was violently high. And I was like, for, for like a week there, I was getting like violently high off of like one or two hits. And like, I, that's not been that way forever. So, to all of our listeners who, who did listen to the Shaun of the Dead episode, um, thanks thanks for coming back because... Uh, that, that that wasn't exactly a top near material, top top notch material. <laughs> so, uh, but I couldn't tell. I mean, that's good. That's good. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, so today's episode uh, starts back in 1993 um, when the video game Doom is re- released on, I guess, just PCs back then. It wasn't a <laughs> wasn't a whole lot of consoles. It certainly wasn't on your uh, Nintendo. Um, and it was a cultural phenomenon. It was the world's first, first not world's first first-person shooter, but the one that popularized the genre. And um, they actually started the foundation for a movie uh, in 1995 when uh, the Doom was still popular. And the, the the original Doom was still quite popular, and the uh, the main character was actually slated to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was set to make this movie and be the Doom guy, as fans call him, uh, in place of what we wound up with. Um, but due to the Columbine shooting and the fact that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were known fans of doom and people kind of just got gun shy and they was like, Oh, there's a shotgun in the game. And there's a shotgun. They used the shotgun for, uh, well, Columbine. I mean, we're starting off on a really heavy note right now, but, um, the movie was actually postponed and put on the back burner for quite some time. Uh, come to 2005 and doom three is released and the movie doom, was released shortly afterwards, almost kind of coinciding with Doom 3. Uh, Brad, did you ever play the first Doom, like the original Doom? No, not on the PC. Uh, they Actually, the first time I ever played Doom was when they ended up, the Verizon store got it, that old phone game. Okay. okay. I remember playing it off my old flip phone. I was like, oh, this game's only a dollar. You renewed it every month, and I just kept playing it over and over and over. Interesting. I, eventually got my ass kicked that was the first time i ever played it so there's a stark contrast between doom and doom 3 that released uh like i said 2005 i had it on the xbox um the original doom was like a run and gun like first person shooter and like you know super fast paced you're basically running through different rooms killing demons and doom 3 is like a survival horror game which a lot of people didn't like at the time a lot of doom fans were completely like you know you change the genre of my my game 
I, you know, the internet culture uh, in its, uh, in its prime, <laughs> in its infancy, I should say. Um, and I, I really feel like they made doom the movie, which is if you haven't guessed what we're, what we're watching today uh, or what we watched um, I feel like they made it more along the lines of like a survival horror type movie instead of what would like a high paced action movie. Uh, the, the lighting in this movie is so bad that I really wanted to stop watching it. Like there's scenes where you can't see anything except the blue outline of a character. It really feels like they're trying to like, get you scared when they were making this. Yeah, that's actually a, a for horror movies. That's actually a, a filmmaking tip where um, they don't, they, they only show you what they want you to see. So if there's a, an image on the screen and it's super dark and you can't tell what's going on, they actually probably did that on purpose. Not, not, I mean, not saying it's not bad filmmaking, but it was definitely a, a director and cinematographer choice they're trying to build the anticipation in that scene for probably a jump scare or something of that magnitude. Yeah. And you know, I, I understand when a movie does it for jump scares and the director of this movie, Andrej Bartow, <laughs> I had trouble pronouncing this earlier. It's Andrej <laughs> Bart Kowak. Uh, forgive me for, for butchering that horribly. But, I think he nailed it. Oh yeah, no, clearly. But I think uh, he he overused the or he underused light in this movie quite a bit because it's like you literally you can't watch this movie during the daytime. You have to watch it like theater conditions where it's completely dark. Otherwise, all you get is glare. This is like this is like glare the movie. Well, and and actually, horror movies there's a reason why, you know, most show times and movie theaters are at night is because you're supposed to be watching these movies at night. Granted, you're, you know, enclosed in a movie theater where it's completely pitch dark, but back when they were, you know, when they would show movies on television in people's home, uh, it wouldn't come on like any horror movies wouldn't come on until after 8 PM because the sun had gone down at that point, making the room darker. So you're actually not supposed to be watching horror movies with lights in your house. You're supposed to watch them in pitch black darkness. Well, fucking spank me. Um, so the, the, the thing about this movie is, is I actually really wanted to see it when it first came out. I was, like I said, I was playing doom three, you know, and then I'm watching TV or wherever I saw the trailer for the first time. And I saw, the same thing that everybody else saw when they saw this trailer, that first person action scene where like, Oh my God, they made a movie. That's a video game. And obviously as a kid, I didn't have my own kid. I was, let's see, 2005. I was, I was in high school, but I didn't have uh, a lot of money to go be seeing movies on my own. So it was like something that if I would have, done it and just like gone and seen it right away. Like I fucking saw Avengers Endgame and Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel. Like if I would have gone, you know, day of day after I would have seen this movie in theaters and like, it probably wouldn't have been something I, I would have picked for the podcast because it's something that, you know, I had already seen, but as uh, the movie had been out for a while, it actually started getting like, 
you know, worse and worse reviews, um, especially from Doom fans. There was a lot of Doom fans who, who weren't a fan of how they kind of made it like a slow drag horror movie um, instead of the run and gun shooter that they love, which is the same reason why they hated Doom 3. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of understand why they didn't make it just a straight run and gun film though, because I mean, films, they have set, like they have structure and they have acts and they've got story and they've got character art and they have all these elements that work together. And if you just put a guy running around killing things for an hour and a half, like, probably within 15 minutes, you're going to be like, all right, well, like move, fucking move on. What else is there? Yeah. You can't, you can't I get why they did that, but I, I'm not saying the story's the best either though. Yeah. The story in this movie, you, you can't name your main character in a movie doom guy and just have him shooting for, uh, you know, the full hour and a half or whatever the runtime of this movie was, which I think is just over two hours. Isn't it? I, I was thinking it was only an hour and a half back in, that's, Early 2000s, they didn't really go to 45. Was it? Oh, yeah. shit. They didn't normally go past 130 minutes. Or, uh, sorry, uh, an hour and a half. No- normally they didn't, but. Yeah. But, um, so you mentioned the story of the movie. Let's let's talk a little bit about the story. Um, at least Before we talk about the story, I, I don't know, I guess, if you would call it the lore of Doom. In your opinion, since you obviously know more about it than I do, how close is the movie to the game? Like, is that kind of how the events unraveled, or did they just make that shit up? So that's kind of what I was getting ready to go into is is oh, okay. the idea that one doom is like you're a space marine and you're fighting demons in hell. And this movie, they mentioned the word hell like once. And they mentioned the word aliens like once and they didn't really provide an excuse for what was going. Well, no, they actually did. It was uh, the like genetic experimentation. Oh, that went wrong is, in the space station or something. The, well, yeah. So they're, they're on Mars. Okay. Which is about as close as it gets. And because <laughs> uh, it's like in the games, you're like a space Marine and they open up a portal to hell that's on Mars and you fight demons on Mars. And then you eventually like move to hell and fight demons in hell. I'm not actually, I'm not sure if that happens in the first game. I'm not sure, but definitely in the third game. Um, but the, uh, the idea that they didn't even mention like that these were like demons or they kind of like batted around the idea that these people were only changing because the genetic mutation that they uh, acquired was like picking up on whether they were evil or not. But, uh, Oh, that's right. That's how they were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they, (laughs) they, they were doing their best to like go around. Cause you know, uh, uh, probably this might be a little bit afterwards, 2005, but there was a certain point where you couldn't like, make a movie you know you couldn't make hellboy like the the new one that just came out where it's all like demons and gore and such like that's not something that like people would go see unless you're a doom fan but yeah it was strictly for well i mean not strictly for but it was it was made for the fans and i felt like they just let the fans down but yeah. i mean doing doing any kind of adaptation is really hard to do because you're you're going to end up pissing somebody off 
whether it's a video game or a book or a comic, someone's not going to like it. Yeah. So you, and, and you bring up a good point. There's uh, almost like a tradition at this point of bad video game movies. Like, yeah, you know, you're, you're definitely going to have like your favorites, especially if it's like a video game that you love or a movie that you grew up watching. But do you have uh, like, what's, what's the worst video game movie in your opinion? The worst video game movie in my opinion. Oh man. Uh, the, the, it may not be the worst, but the first one that comes to mind was the Mario brothers movie, <laughs> which was in fact the first video game adaptation for a movie. Oh really? Well, that's probably why I didn't. Why I think it's one of the worst. And ones. it's and it's on my list too. And I know that I've mentioned um, the Bowser character in that movie on like our, our fourth episode, Bad Bad Guys. Oh yeah, that's right. It's just like it, one. It's it's completely unfaithful to the like the lore, whatever you want to call it, of Mario Brothers, which is like sure. And in Mar- at that at that point in time, Mario Brothers was just like a two D side scroller. Right. But the like eighties dystopia, Dennis Hopper's weird ass haircut, the the Goombas that are like they're like lizard people. <laughs> and that are huge. Yeah, giant lizard people in maroon suits. One ends up learning how to play a harmonica. Yeah. This I mean, the movie's pretty bad. Um given that it's the first one, we could probably cut it a little slack. Uh, one of the, the further on down the line and, and some would disagree with me, but, but more, um, I want to say offensive, but that's probably not right. It was just an egregiously like bad movie that actually was very close to the game. Uh, like stayed very close to the story of the game was the Max Payne movie with Marky Mark Wahlberg. Did you ever see? Oh, yes, I did. So there's a. There's a point in that movie and I love pointing it out when I watch it. Cause I'll admit that I've watched it m- more than I should have where they're in like a gunfight and everything slows down and Max Payne slash Mark Wahlberg just kind of like gets this like epiphanous look on his face. And I just love to say it's like, it's when Mark Wahlberg realized that he was doing like a video game movie and he realized like what's actually happening in the movie. <laughs> it just like kind of happened to catch that glorious moment on camera and put it in the movie. I actually know what moment you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I wish if the internet, when did that movie come out? Because if that movie came out this time a day, there would be memes all over the place just on that one, that one picture. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, and you know, I'm, I'm sure if, uh, some, some plucky podcast brought it up and it got back into, uh, to modern culture maybe maybe we can get the memes going again (laughs) i'll start doing them right now (laughs) so as far as the the story of the movie goes we kind of touched on it a little bit their uh special forces squad uh that is sent to mars they don't start on mars they have to like take uh what's called the arc which is just like a silver booger that teleports you to Mars. I mean, it's just like, Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> it, 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 it is in some like secret underground facility and they have to take this giant secret elevator to get to it. And the, it kind of, it seemed pretty unimportant to be, 
to start the movie. Like, why didn't you just start these guys on Mars? They could be, you know, like space Marines, like he starts. But uh, towards the end of the movie, the arc kind of important. I guess it breaks up the, uh, the setting of the movie a little bit because they eventually wind up getting transported back to earth and they use the arc to as kind of like a barrier where they're trying to keep people on the other side of it. I think the reason they, they probably had it was just what, like what you were saying, like location and setting. I mean, if you, are you going to watch a movie for 90 minutes or a little bit longer of just them being on Mars? Like that might get a little boring. There's only so much you could probably do with that. So I, I think that might be why they, they use that like teleportation aspect. Also, it's kind of a sci-fi movie. So, well, I guess it is a sci-fi movie. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to add some kind of cool, I guess in, in the business, they call it a dazzler shot, but it's something that looks really cool. And I actually remember watching the movie and I was like, I want to go through that shit. That looks like it's a lot of fun. But then when you called it a booger, I was like, uh, yeah, that makes more sense actually. I mean, it was a lot of fun until you get out on the other side and you start uh, uh, ralphing like everybody did. <laughs> so um, one thing that I noticed watching this is that The Rock's acting skills have severely improved since 2005. Like, I, I don't know if you caught it, but he has a lot of the same face in this movie where he just like looks through his eyebrows. Yeah, there you go. You got it. He like looks through his eyebrows. Uh, almost like, uh, you know, and it's like he does it to portray interest and he does it to portray anger and he does it to like, I, I mean, it seems like it's his go-to. And it's, I mean, it's The Rock. You just want like a, you just want a jack dude to play your uh, your uh, special forces leader. Yeah, he's not there for speaking lines. He's physically there just to watch and do badass shit. Um, but then they give him lines. Yeah. And, and and speaking lines is something that I was unaware of until I started watching some like documentaries about, well, it wasn't a documentary. It was like a little short about the training that they actually went through to appear as if they were actually like a special forces squad. They, you know, they like did a lot of gun training. So they're not like flinching when they're shooting the gun because a lot of the shots they use are, they're actually using like real guns with blanks in them. Right. Um, so they had to do a lot of training so they're not like flinching. They did obviously like tactical training. So they're, uh, you know, learning how to move like a unit and such. But I did not realize that every single one of the special forces guys, except for the rock has a British fucking accent. Like every single one of these guys is British and they're all playing like these rough, tug, rough, rough and tumble, uh, like American special forces guys. Well, I mean, Carl, Carl Urban has a very good American accent as well, though. I actually didn't even know he was British for a while. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They did such a good job of it, you can completely forget that, like, well, you'd have no idea. I had no idea until I was, like, watching the extra stuff uh, on the internet. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to good performances, there was one character who stood out quite a bit. Uh, can you can you you just want to take a guess at which which special forces character that I, I thought gave the best performance? Um. All right, I will make you struggle. Um, Portman, the uh, was the guy who 
uh, loves to make you hate him. I don't know if you remember. Oh, okay. Who he was. His play, he's played by, oh gosh, I have it written down here. He's played by Richard Drake, and he's like a creepy, slimy, like greasy drug doing uh, special forces guy. And it's like, one, I, I forget that he's an actor watching the movie, which is, you know, kind of what the actor like wants. And I just, I just hate the guy until I, and I didn't even like think about it until I was watching that, the little short about their special forces training, because I was like, oh shit, this guy is like, you know, a completely different guy. And he seems like a nice enough guy, but I just like, you hate the character. Cause he like walks up at the beginning when they're kind of like when they're first arriving, he goes up to a group of girls and he's like, I guess I'm going to have to strip search you. And he, and he is just like, he's, he's supposed to be the character that you hate in this movie. And he does a great job of it. Well, he, he's just got one of those faces kind of like, like Steve Buscemi has got a weird face. Yeah. This guy's got that. Uh, he's always in weird movies where he plays either a psychopath or a creep or like a drug dealer. Like he, he's never going to be a hero in, in any movie like I could ever see him being. He's just got that. He Steve Buscemi was a hero in Billy Madison. Well, well, I guess technically he was a hero. He did save him from getting shot. But he, Richard Blake is, or Blake has just got that weird, uh, honestly, I think it's his teeth. He yeah. shows his teeth a lot. Well, and he just looks so slick. Like he's always got like grease back hair and his face is always wet. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just look like, he just looks like, like a slimy, like a snake. But, um, I, 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 that brings me to another point. I wonder why. Carl Urban's character like looks so flushed at the beginning of the movie. He looks like he looks like sick in the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if that's just a lighting thing, or they just didn't pick up on it. A lot of a lot of sci-fi movies like Doom have they play with a lot of like blue and green colors to try to mimic you know that sci-fi appeal. But when you put you know the color green on a human. A, a white human at least, you know, they look sick. They look, you know, like they need a hospital. So it could have just been bad lighting, but I don't know. I wonder if, because thinking toward the end of the movie, which I won't reveal yet, I think there, maybe there's a reason they did that. Yeah, I think I think you have something there. I think it was supposed to be kind of an arc uh, as just far as maybe just like a visual arc because he does look different towards the end of the movie. Um, it could be so, a little bit of subtext going on there in the beginning that you don't pick up until you watch it a few times. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Portman. Uh, we talked about Carl Urban's character who had the name Reaper. Uh, we talked, uh, we didn't talk about while well, we talked about the rocks character who's uh, like call sign, I guess was Sarge, but there was also um, Duke destroyer, the kid and goat. Um, yeah. and it got me thinking, uh, what does, what does, what does goat mean? Do you, do you, what does goat mean? Oh, the, uh, what's this millennial term they came up with for goat. It's it, like, uh, it's, it's greatest of all time. And, okay you'll be surprised to find out that it's not exactly a millennial term. It was actually coined by Muhammad Ali's wife when she was incorporating, um, I guess his, his, 
um, like property, his, his, uh, rights company, uh, to all of his stuff in 1992 when she, uh, made greatest of all time Inc. Oh shit. And she called it goat Inc. That's, I wonder, that's probably where it, it probably got lost in translation for like 10, 15 years. And then some kid on the internet realized it and started coining the term again. And now everyone refers to people as the goat. Yeah, I was, I was, um, doing some research and that's that's the earliest i could find of someone using goat to refer to his greatest of all time which i mean if we're talking muhammad ali that's he, he was the greatest that's true but in this movie is it isn't he the one that gets ripped apart like really really like almost flawlessly um no goat was the one who got bit on the neck and then was changing like they thought he was dead and he ripped out of the, uh, the oh, that's bag right. and bashed his head against the window because he didn't want to change. So Goat's like this, like, I want to say psychopathic, like Christian character. He like says, uh, he gets scared and he says, God damn it. And then he pulls up his sleeve and slices his arm. And he's like, I took the Lord's name in vain. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, 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 I mean, that is pretty great. I mean, I don't think that, uh, I, I don't know why they would call him goat in particular, um, but it did it did get me thinking. And there's a, a little little tidbit for you. But uh, I wonder if they just called him goat because all the other names are just one character dimension names like Portman and Duke and the Kid and Destroyer. So they're like, fuck it, let's just call him goat. Yeah. So uh, in in video games movies, you're gonna have a lot of like video games Easter eggs or video games like references. Um, I liked how in the very beginning when we were learning all their names, they were grabbing their guns and their guns were like signing on as their call sign, um, which seemed like it was like a call, like a reference to just like having your own like gamer tag. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because they're because the guns were engraved or something, weren't they? They were. Well, I don't remember that they were engraved, but they were like when they were grabbing them and like lock and loading. Uh, the gun was like goat signed in, Reaper signed in. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if it said signed in, but it, it that's what it seemed like to me. Um, so they had that character. The oh, what was his name, Doctor? Uh, Cartwright, Dr. Carmack, um, who is like the character you see at the very beginning of the, the movie, uh, kind of as like, you, you don't really know what's going on, but he's running from something at the very beginning of the movie. They find his body and he's like clutching onto this dead girl's arm and he rips off his own ear. And he's like clearly like losing his mind and you find out later he's infected. But um, there's a scene in the transition between him being like just like a scared person and turning into this infected creature where he's lying on the table and his makeup looks exactly like Darth Sidious from the the Star Wars prequels. Did you catch that? I don't I didn't catch that. I don't huh? think it was deliberate, but that's all I can see now when I see that again. <laughs> it's like what is Darth Sidious doing there without an ear? <laughs> Trying to bash another film franchise. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do love how um, which which character was it? I think it was it was Goat right in the very beginning was one of the first ones to get uh, wrecked. Uh, as soon as he gets like gets hurt a little bit, 
they're they go from like the squad goes from being like really confident like we're gonna go take care of this threat so like they're all like dragging him through the main uh, entrance and they're like yelling and screaming for everyone to evacuate. It seemed like their confidence went down real quick. That's probably when they realized like we're all gonna die here. Yeah, but they're Marines, so you know they have to. Yeah, and the the Rock himself is like the worst leader aside from what happens at the end. The Rock himself is like the worst leader because. They keep telling him, he keeps telling his squad to split up. Like, you two go here, you two go here, you two go here. And without fail, every single time they split up, at least one of them dies. Well, that, that's, that's definitely a horror film trick. Like, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers. And in a horror movie, you don't want strength in numbers. You want, you're expecting people to die. So it gives them a chance to split up the deaths throughout the movie because the characters split up. So that way they don't just all get murdered in the first 10 minutes. And then you're like, Oh wait, well there's the movie. Yeah. I, and you know, I, I definitely understand that as like a Friday the 13th fan. You definitely like know that like you, you know, you're not supposed to sl- split up or anything or like have that. sex or have sex or smoke weed, which, yeah. But, um, the, the fact that they kept coming back together and then he kept sending them away again <laughs> was just like, all right, dude, do you not, do you not, are you not sensing a pattern here? <laughs> just. It's not going to turn out well, rock. <laughs> not a very good leader. So, uh, do you, what was, if you took every human animal and demon death um death or body in this movie what would the body count be for this movie do you suppose if i had to pick like a number yeah if you here i'll give you a i'll give you a range is it higher or lower than 120 Mm. i want to say lower but i I feel like i should be saying higher just just the way you you set that up i'm gonna go higher I mean, you should never second guess yourself, Brad. It's actually, there's 117 uh, deaths and bodies on screen uh, in this movie. And that does include the rat that the guy ate at the beginning of the movie. And then the monkey that the guy straight up murderates with the giant ass gun in the vent. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to watch the there's a there's a video that has like a counter and i was trying to watch for like on-screen deaths but then they just started counting like the random bodies that were lying around towards the end of the movie and i was <laughs> like all right so we I guess we have to include bodies in this too but i mean it because the movie it takes place for at least i don't know 80 percent on mars in that they're in like a spaceship or the underground in mars i can't remember they're underground on like a yeah, right. research facility slash archaeological dig site. But we don't see very much of it. No. So that, to have 117 bodies scattered throughout, I guess what you would might call like a tunnel system underground type thing. Yeah, most of it was tunnels. You get like a shot in the lab. You get like a shot at like an archaeological dig site, which is... I mean, you can't even tell what they're doing. There's just kind of like random bones in boxes, which I thought was funny. Did those get counted too? As part yeah. of- okay, <laughs> they probably should have. They probably should have. Um, but uh, so, moving back into the story a little bit, they, like we mentioned earlier, they they find out that 
the reason that all the shit's going to hell is because hell uh, is because the they found like a 24th chromosome that people can add to uh, or have added to their like genetic structure, which basically turns them like superhuman or into like a demon alien type thing. <laughs> like if you're good, you, you, you know, just turn into Superman with a gun or if you're bad, you turn into like a demon. Um, it's just, which is kind of like playing like heaven and hell. Yeah. Gonna add, if there was a religion in here, it'd obviously be Christianity. But yeah, if you're a good person, you get to be superhuman and just murk everybody. But if you're bad, you become a demon and eventually die. And I, and I thought it was odd that they took such an effort to make goat like the Christian character, like, you know, trying to be as devout as he can. But then he he turns like he he or he's about to turn and he like kills him. He bashes his head against the, the window so he doesn't turn. Um, it seemed like I don't know. Maybe they could have used that to explain it, but then I guess we don't know what Goat's motivations are. Yeah, he's one of those characters that you just you don't get enough time with before he you know inevitably dies. Inevitably dies. So, uh, yeah. So the one thing that this movie did, did do well above a lot of, uh, I mean, other movies that are similar to it is the use of practical effects. I don't know if you noticed, but a large, large majority of the like demon alien zombie things were just guys in suits. Yeah, actually I watched the behind the scenes, a while back and I thought it actually was a lot more cost effective filming that way because the amount of CGI they would have to do to do all the monsters was just going to be an ungodly amount and they didn't have the budget for it. So I actually wish films these days would kind of go back to practical effects instead of just relying on CGI. Cause sometimes if it works, it works, but if it's bad, everybody knows about it. Yeah. Whereas with practical effects, you know, it's they're they're cheaper to do for one, but also it's just cool to like have that that history that you've got a uh, an item that was made in this movie, and then that that film franchise could sell those items off to make a shitload of money. Yeah, um, a lot of the a lot of the props were done by Stan Win- uh, Stan Winston, and uh, there's a. Um, an interesting article on his school of uh, character arts where he talks about each of the different like models and suits that he had to make. Um, And it, I think, you know, especially if we're talking about a movie where a lot of it's shot in like real dark um, kind of uh, lighting and you have a lot of action scenes going on in the dark that uh, the fact that it's all practical and they don't have to worry about like, faking lighting off of a fake object really kind of helps to sell what's going on. Right. That's, that's mainly why a lot of, especially a lot of older horror movies that have a lot of practical effects, the lighting is so, you know, so dark because if it's too much light, you're going to see, you know, the stitching in in the model or you're going to see the fabric or something. So it just helps sell the effect. It, It sells the illusion. Yeah, so I'm kind of mad at myself right now, Brad. 
Oh yeah. I completely forgot my wonderful um, segue from our last movie, Shaun of the Dead into Doom. And now I have to throw it in there like it's a blunt object. Well, let's uh, just restart the show. Yeah, let's just do it all over again. That's fine. Uh, so one thing that I found interesting while researching this movie is that uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright were actually propositioned to help like touch up the script for this movie. And they declined it because they were, um, because they were hot off the heels of Shaun of the Dead. And they declined it to go make Hot Fuzz. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so back to this, the story of the movie and the practical effects and uh, <laughs> all the fun stuff. Um, the, the big payoff for this movie is when they infect our main character. Gosh, am I getting too far ahead of myself? Screw it, we're, we're in. Uh, they infect the main character with the 24th chromosome because now he has to fight The Rock, who's essentially gone insane. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's insane or if he's just evil, but he like his motivations seem to flop very quickly. He's like just concerned about a paycheck and uh, like wants to kill basically everybody because he's afraid. Like greed. Infected. Yeah, I, I felt like he was he was uh, characterizing greed, and that's probably what one of the reasons why he turned into a demon and not a superhuman. Yeah, because um, greed is a sin. So. So yeah, he's got a got to Carl Urban has to fight the rock and he's like, he gets his ass kicked at first. And then his sister, who is the scientist in the movie is like, well, what if we infect you with this stuff that's been fucking everybody up <laughs> after, uh, after a little bit of back and forth, they decide, okay, go ahead and do it. And then he wakes up and the thing that everybody wants from this movie happens. The first person shooter scene. Uh, and it starts immediately, and I'm I'm so glad they kept that aspect right as he wakes up. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think uh, the the fascinating part about this movie is that 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 was like the first time that it was done in a movie is to have like that first person action sequence. Uh, it took them 14 days to make it. Uh, which I'm not sure if that's a lot or a little. It seems like I would expect it to take longer but they made it seem like that was a long time for, for five minutes of shooting uh, or five minutes of movie. Well, when you do a first person shot like that, if, if you look, there's no, there are no cuts. It's one extremely long take. Now I don't know. There's, there's more advanced ways to do it now where you, you end up, you know, wiping the frame with like a, a something in the, in the foreground so you can cut and then you stitch the two pieces of footage together to make it seem like it was one long take. But back then they probably actually did just extremely long takes. I wonder how many times it took to get right. So I don't mean to burst your bubble, but they actually did use that, the wiping technique where they like, as they, you know, swap back from, one shot because they had those tight hallways. They had the opportunity to like turn and have a black spot in the middle. Yeah. Those and are called natural wipes. Yeah. So they had the, they use the natural wipes as their cuts, which is like, I mean, even if, even if that's what you're doing, that's still really clever is to make it look like one continuous shot. Um, another really clever thing I thought they did with that first person shot is they realized early on that the aspect ratio between 
like playing a first person shooter on like a computer monitor versus the aspect ratio of a movie wasn't quite the same. Um, and so the gun actually took up way more of the screen that they, than they wanted to. Yeah. Um, so that's why instead of having the gun, just kind of bouncing back and forth as he's like running and moving around and stuff, they like drop the gun out of frame until he needed to come up and shoot it just so you like weren't too impeded by the, uh, by the, the gun from the first person sequence. Huh. I actually didn't really think about that until right now. That's, that is a pretty smart idea because I mean, it is a pretty big ass gun too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) and speaking of big guns, one of the best callbacks to doom in this movie is that the rock himself gets his hands on the BFG, the big fucking gun. Um, and anybody who's played doom knows a little bit about doom knows that the BFG is like the catch all end all of firepower. And I mean, I can't say the gun disappointed. It certainly didn't. I don't think it was the same that I remember from the doom games that I played. They look different. I think. Yeah. Um, but boy, did it have a, I mean, he only fired it twice in the movie, right? He fires it once. Uh, when Portman's getting killed and he blows up the alien and like turns into like blue, like uh, molten. He like turns the ceiling into like a blue molten hole. And then he fires it a second time, kind of when he's fighting with Carl Urban's character and he completely misses. You know, I think it was like shooting like, like plasma charges or something, some kind of like extremely hot. It wasn't like a bullet. It wasn't, you know, like lead or anything. It had a super, uh, a super powerful uh, element to it. Yeah. It w- but it looked really cool though. Yeah. And it was definitely a nice um, nod to the fans of doom, even though this movie was not. <laughs> <laughs> there's little, there's little things throughout the movie that I'm sure people can cherish, but overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't a super big fan of it. So I can't say, you know, that I know everything about Doom and this didn't live up to the expectations because I also saw it when I was like 15. Yeah. So to me, I was like, oh, that's a badass movie. But then as I, as I get older and I start watching it again and finding all the flaws, I'm like, oh, okay, this didn't do that well. Yeah. Um, so one of the the worst video game references in the movie. I don't know if I'd call it the worst, just the one that like was like, why did they do that to me? Is the guy is playing um, the movie. Like it starts off seven years from like 2019. It starts off in uh, 2026 when they like locate this arc. And then I assume some time has to pass for them to like build the scientific uh, to build the science lab and the archaeological dig around it. So you got to assume this movie is like a decent amount in the future. But in the very beginning, the Duke character is playing this like goddamn brick of a Galaxian game that is, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, except it looks like he's like staring at a Harry Potter book because it's so damn thick. (laughs) It's got, got, you know, terrible, like, like I said, it's like a Galaxian, like it doesn't even look like he's playing it. But, you know, the PSP was three years away from this movie. You'd think that they would, like, try and 
have a little bit more of a, I don't know what to say, like a, a little bit more of a advanced piece of tech in the guy's hands, especially for a video game movie if he's playing video games. Or at least something more realistic. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have bought that like, you know, 10 years before 2005 and, you know, they're supposed to be seven years in the future. Maybe he's just like a retro games guy. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. I can feel my neck beard growing. <laughs> Brad, did you have a favorite bit to this movie? Favorite, you know, part, favorite character? Uh, I think this might be the first movie that I actually saw Carl Urban in. At least that I can remember. Like when I was able to start remembering you know, famous actors' names. I think Carl Urban was the, this is the first time I saw him. But also, you know, his sister, I, I've had a crush on his sister, uh, Samantha Grimm, for a long time. Well, uh, that's her character's name. Yeah. And Roseman Pike is the is her real name, her, her, her actual name. And when I saw her in the movie the first time, I was like, oh, damn, all the feels coming out you know she actually almost wasn't in this movie uh she turned down uh i don't know if you recall in harry potter goblet of fire the rita skeeter character she was like the reporter she oh, actually she turned down that role to be in doom man she uh she made a a career deciding mistake there <laughs> i mean i don't think i don't think the you know the actress who played rita skeeter you know i don't think that made her career either but definitely a bigger franchise yeah but uh yeah i mean the the fact that this is one of those movies that i i didn't watch because of what other people thought of it just makes me think that uh other people should keep their fucking mouth shut because uh, it wasn't a terrible movie like this movie you know I watched it twice and I, I think I still have all the brain cells that I started with. Um, no, no guarantees there, but you know, it's, it, it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. No, it's, it's still an entertaining movie. I mean, I might watch it again here. I don't know. And in, in a year or so, like if it ever just pops on TV or if it ever comes to Netflix, I'll probably just give it a watch because I mean, it's doom. Granted, yeah, it wasn't executed the greatest, but I still thought for for how much money they spent, they did pretty well on it. Again, I'm also not a super big Doom, you know, nerd, and I don't follow the lore or if that's what they call it these days. Mm -hmm. So, but in my opinion, I thought it was really good. I mean, okay, not really good. If I had to put it on a scale of one being the room and five being like Avengers infinity war or Endgame. I I'd probably give it like a, a, a three, a solid three. Yeah. I mean, for uh, a movie that with a $60 million budget that only made $15 million globally, it's, it's hard to justify. Um, but you know, in a year or so from now, you, you may not have to watch this movie to get your doom fixed because I mean, it's the age of the reboot, and they are rebooting Doom for a uh, 2019 fall release. So, really? Yeah. I'm surprised I, we haven't seen anything, so it may have been pushed back. But, uh, yeah, 
Doom, what was it? It was Annihilation is the working title of the movie. And they're, yeah, making up Doom Annihilation set for fall 2019 release. Mm. Oh, it's not a sequel, though. Oh, thank God. Straight to home video. Okay, maybe maybe not that exciting. I thought they were making a full Doom movie, but. Uh, well, it's, I mean, so it's probably even got a lower budget. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, it's possible. Um, or you know, I mean, nowadays streaming is everything. So, you know, they freaking made Bird Box or whatever, which is like, you know, everybody was talking about it and they didn't have to put it in the theater. So maybe it's going straight to Netflix. We don't know. Actually, I'm looking up right now. It looks like they've already got a cast list put together. Do they? And I can't say that I know or recognize a single person which might be a good thing might be might be another one to uh talk about on the podcast i would be down for that so brad um the movie doom the franchise is clearly not doomed uh we got (laughs) another movie on the way we got doom eternal the game uh is is in the works right now um, I believe you said you played the 2016 release, didn't you? I was actually just going to ask you about that. Um, I, I have played it, and I actually enjoyed playing it. Um, didn't take me super long to beat because I played, you know, as like just a regular user. But then I tried to go back on—I don't remember what they call it—but when you just you play like the god awful, the hardest. It's like nightmare mode or something. Nightmare mode or something. Yeah, I tried that, and it was extremely difficult, but. I like how they, they kept it, they kept Doom going, you know, the way the, all the games have been going, where it's first person, you just run around and kill a bunch of things, and then there's another wave, and you keep going all the way through until you beat the end. Yeah, it was really uh, a return to form for the franchise. People who were Doom fans really loved the fact that it, it was the Doom that they know and love, and it wasn't you know, Doom 3, the survival horror uh, game that that I mean that I had growing up is um, so not not every video game needs a story sometimes you just want to run around and blow shit up and kill things and that's really what doom does the best is is just gives you that opportunity uh, and you played it did you how did you enjoy it or did you enjoy it I, I definitely played it I definitely enjoy it I mean it's hard not to love a game that just like pumps metal music into your ears while you're you know killing demons um, I really, I don't, I don't, I haven't finished it yet. Um, just because I'm awful at finishing video games. I start and I start everything, finish nothing. I just, just finished, uh, the Borderlands main story though. Proud of myself for that. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I think that the idea of doom just being there to be the most visceral, straightforward video game experience that you that you can find is is really where doom find it finds its niche and the idea that it is being it has been revived and is like something that new players can get into you know might even bring people back around to watching the rocks 2005 doom movie like it's out there people go and get it soak it up if you love it like Doom has been around for a long time. Uh, you know what would be a smart idea, and I just thought of this. You know, when you buy a new video game, they usually have like a some kind of 
package deal like inside the inside the case there's like a, oh here's a map of the game you're gonna play or whatever maybe they should have a free download copy of doom 2005 so then when everybody goes and watches it they can claim royalties on it and maybe try to get some money back on it it'd be interesting it's it's probably caught in the same like distribution rights hell that the hulk movie is caught in it's just that what's owned by one company and released by another oh yeah there's pro- they probably have to pay more to be able to do that but yeah, yeah well uh on that note i think that we've, we we've covered all that we can cover brad did you have anything else that you wanted to, to say about the doom movie I mean, I I really wish I could get a prop of that big fucking gun because <laughs> it's probably as tall as I am, and I would love to just have it sitting in my room. It'd be good times. Um, before we wrap this guy up, do we do we want to do an end game uh, wrap up? I I know you saw it, right? Yeah, I watched it uh, a couple days ago. So without. I we mean, just be total there's, dickheads and spoil everything. Like only, only mention spoilers. I mean, I mean that being said, you've already warned them enough as the spoilers are coming. But uh, <laughs> I think that this fact that this probably won't be out for a little while it gives us plenty of time to uh, to just kind of let it all go right now. Uh, what did you? What did you? We, we talked about Marvel in every single one of these podcasts so far. What did you think about Endgame? I really liked it. I walking out of the movie theater. So I think I saw it the third night it was released and I had a bunch of friends watch it the opening night, the night after, and people are crying and Snapchatting themselves and they're just like, we're not okay. I was like, Oh man, this movie is just going to be an emotional roller coaster. And I, I kind of think that almost ruined the experience for me because when I walked out of the movie theater, I was like, that was a pretty good movie. And I was, I was happy about it, but I wasn't crying in my truck for half an hour or anything like that. But I, it it did, it was a nice way to end the series. I mean, 22 movies all started by one movie. I think it was a, a smart wrap up. They were, they were setting up a lot of like plot points throughout the 22 movies that they finally pay off in this movie. Yeah, I think I think you know the emotional like toll of the movie really kind of depends on who you are and how you react because I mean there were there were things in there that like got me more emotional than like the sad parts of the movie where you know I mean just keep in mind spoilers might slip we won't say it right now but the you know the sad end of the movie is which might as well be a spoiler in itself, but uh, is is not where I got like kind of like choked up a little bit. It was the, I mean, it's kind of hard to dance around this. The final scene where Let it rip. everybody's just like you know joins in on the fight and like you see all the all the characters from twenty two movies like stepping through you know Strange's uh, portals and you just like oh it's here it's the culmination like it just that's what really got me more there there was the part where uh happy's talking to stark's daughter and he asks her what she wants to eat she says cheeseburgers i almost lost it that one was like, oh god <laughs> but uh 
that's the moment I like that's the only moment where I almost really lost it. Because yeah. that little girl is so just innocent and cute and adorable yeah. and happy. You can see happy trying to choke back the tears. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's one thing that I, I really liked about it is it does such a good job of like wrapping up 22 years of, uh, not 22 years, 22 movies, 10 years of films. I think uh, it's 11 actually. Oh yeah. It's 11 now that it's 2019. Um, but the the you know I love movies that that do that like puts a decent bow on a saga like the oh gosh oh gosh somebody's gonna revoke my Star Wars badge <laughs> Revenge of the Sith the the last one of the prequels um was was one of those movies that just like it, you know it wrapped up it like you know connected plot points together it, like it did such a good job of you know, letting us know how and why the story got from here to there um, or, or how it, you know, how it concludes in the case of Avengers Endgame, that it's really, it's hard to pick apart, uh, especially if you're a Marvel fan. Yeah. You can be like, Oh, the, you know, rules of time travel is, you know, it, it's like, it, it, it's easy to pick apart like the time travel thing because time travel is not real and the rules aren't real. And you, but as far as like a story and and the way that it all gets wrapped up, I, I honestly couldn't be happier. I'm going to see it again uh, later this week, which would be it'll be the first movie I've ever seen twice in theaters. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to watch it again too. I just don't have the time right now. But actually, back to the time travel part, I like how. So the the only out of all the movies that have done time travel a lot of them relate back to, uh, oh my God, I'm spacing in the movie, uh, Back to the Future. And so in the movie, they basically rip that apart and go and like, oh, so everything that happened in Back to the Future is complete bullshit. And they completely write their own, this is how timeline's gonna work in this universe. And I think that's the first time they actually mention time travel throughout the whole Marvel universe. So now, well, the time stone, the Doctor Strange head. Right, but I mean, I mean, well, I guess that's that is still time travel. You're right. Fuck me. <laughs> but, but also, like, actually going back in time, following a back a a, a path, and going. Uh, I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this. That's all right. No, I, I get what you're saying because that that line in particular, where he's like, "I swear to God, if you mentioned Back to the Future," um, was kind of like. Uh, a fun way of like saying you know fuck your rules as far as the movie goes because this is the way we're doing it you can't yeah. you can't make that movie without breaking time travel rules and you know we talked about it in frequently asked questions about time travel there are certain rules that are established for you know if you're going to write a time travel book you don't want to do this you do want to do this but you can't make that movie without breaking a few eggs and the idea that uh, that they were like clever, not I don't know if it's clever, but they were like had the forethought enough to go like, no, those don't apply here. Uh, was was I mean, you can kind of throw that on the face of anybody who's like, well, they didn't do the time travel because, you know, I mean, you know, why was how was Cap in the the first Avengers movie if he was you know dancing with Peggy or whatever the case may be. We said spoilers a few times, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll say it again one more time. Spoilers. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case you haven't seen this movie in three months. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like... It did put a nice bow on the full Marvel Universe. And actually, I think the smartest part was not only wrapping up and, and you know tying that knot, it doesn't prevent any future Marvel movies from coming out because they still have Marvel movies coming out. We've just entered phase four now. It actually does the exact opposite. You could go back and like make another Iron Man movie because all you got to do is go back in time and then you can fight next to Tony. Like, I don't want them to do that because that would feel like a waste of death. Well, I think he's done playing Tony Stark. Yeah, no, he, he is. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him like cameo in another movie down the line, but, uh, it actually opens up more avenues because they're now that that's been established as a way that they can, you know, get around plot holes or whatever the case, like it, it leads, leaves the opportunity to uh, do more interesting and crazy things. And bring back other characters that eventually die. Yeah. And th- that's the, that's the trope with superhero movies is if somebody dies, they're dead at that point in time until another movie comes out where there's a, possibility they bring somebody back yeah well the mcu in particular was it was fairly awful about it loki's been resurrected like three or four times thanos mentions it in, in infinity wars when he chokes him to death he says no resurrections this time oh okay i guess i didn't realize that he was brought back actually well well we're just gonna have to do a whole another episode on this movie because there is a lot to talk about in that movie there is there is um so on that point, I think maybe we'll just go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, if, if you enjoy our Marvel discussions, there's been one on each uh, on each episode now. Um, well, maybe we'll edit them all together and then <laughs> do a whole um, a whole a whole another episode on them. But uh, Brad, I, I really appreciate you doing the show with me. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say before we go? Uh, No, it's always a pleasure uh, talking about movies with you. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Spoiler, if you don't, if you haven't watched Doom, it's bad. So (laughs) could be worse, but it's worse, but it's not the best. So go buy your tickets. I think Doom's in theaters now. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's, it's been a while, but no, it was a good, it was a good pick. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the pick that you did this time. Fantastic. On that note, uh, if you want to email us any questions, comments, concerns, it's absurd, uh, absurdistasylum at gmail.com. No apostrophe. If you want to tweet at us, it's absurdasylum at gmail.com. Or, <laughs> it's just at absurdasylum. <laughs> and um, I, was, I was thinking about uh, maybe making an Instagram for the show. We'll, we'll talk about that some more. It's a good um, idea. But uh, all right. Well, we appreciate you guys stopping by. Brad, thanks again. You're not gonna you're not gonna say fuck Facebook this time? I mean, how many times do I have to say fuck Facebook? Facebook? Every episode until Facebook gets shut down. He's underboards like we're gonna rebuild Facebook and it's gonna be all about privacy. Like, yeah, yeah.